So we're going to go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. We're continuing our I Am series. Uh, this morning we're going to be starting with a, a new I Am statement of Jesus. Now, if you haven't been with us before, you're kind of wondering what this is. These are the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes about himself. This is a series really as we kind of dive into who Jesus is and, and why he came. And, and the best way to really know more about him is to hear kind of what he has to say about himself. And so we've been diving into those. This morning, we're going to be looking in John, the eighth chapter, when Jesus calls himself the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Before we jump into that scripture though let's pray father we love you and we thank you for this time god we thank you for the opportunity to meet online uh, we thank you for the opportunity to to share these things and to look at these things together and father i pray that god that you would just use me to communicate the things that you want us to see and understand this morning we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen so we're going to go ahead and jump right in we're going to be in john 8 12 this morning we're going to look at this statement of jesus and then we're going to kind of dive into it a little bit deeper but the statement that jesus makes is found in john 8 12 and it says this again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life will have the light of life. Now, as we jump into this, I want to kind of break this up into three separate sections this morning. And the first section I want to look at is the setting. Now, the setting of this is very important because as we kind of just look at this on its surface, we can kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, that's a really great statement that Jesus makes. That's a really um, profound statement. That's a really neat statement. But sometimes we have to stop and really begin to look at why Jesus makes this statement, the context of why Jesus makes this statement, to really help us understand a little bit more about the statement that he's making and even the response of some of the people that are around to hear this statement. And this is very important to really understand what Jesus is trying to help us to see and understand. So this morning, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the setting or the context of what What's happening and to really find out what is going on here in John chapter 8 we need to jump back to John chapter 7 so in John chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 we kind of begin to see the context of what's going on in this particular situation so this is what it says after this Jesus went about in Galilee he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him now the Jews feast of booth was at hand now this feast of booths is uh, another name for that uh, that maybe a little bit more people know about is the feast of tabernacles this is one of the main three feasts that the jewish people would celebrate it was a feast that you would pilgrim to jerusalem the other two was was uh, passover and pentecost and the feast of tabernacles is kind of what i'm more used to calling it i'll probably call it this during the majority of the message, is, is a feast that you would leave from where you were at and go to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And this is a very important feast. It was about eight days long. And so this is kind of the situation that we're going to find Jesus in when he makes this statement. But we're going to have a little bit more context because we're going to look next at John 7, 14. Okay, so the Feast of, of Tabernacles is going on. And in John 7, 14, we get a little bit more information of what's going on and when. And this is what it says. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. 
Okay, so about middle way through, again, it's about seven, eight days, this feast, so about three or four or something around in there, Jesus goes into the temple where a bunch of people are, and he begins to teach, okay? Now, this is important to understand because this, again, is a pilgrimage feast. This is a feast where people from all over the surrounding areas have pilgrimed into Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. We're going to look a little bit deeper in the feast in just a second, but, but there are a lot of people there, and Jesus has gone into the temple, and he begins to teach teach people uh, in the temple. Now, one more kind of to understand where we're at, and this is actually found in John 8, 20. This is kind of, quote-unquote, after Jesus makes this statement, but it kind of tells you where he makes it and so on and so forth, and this is what it says. John 8, 20 says this, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So let me kind of give you an idea again where we're at. Jesus has pilgrimed into Jerusalem. The Feast of Tabernacles is going on. And basically about middle of the feast, Jesus begins to teach uh, on some things and teach from the temple. Okay, so that's what's going on. But to really understand a little bit more about the setting, we have to understand a little bit more about this Feast of Tabernacles. Again, this is one of the three main feasts that the Jewish people would celebrate. They celebrated more, but this was one of the pilgrim's feasts that they would go and they would travel about eight days long. Now, this feast meant a lot of things and they remembered a lot of things, but the main thing they remembered was the 40 years years of wilderness wanderings that the people had. Okay, so let's kind of go back. If you want to go back in your, your biblical history and think about this, uh, Moses has, has come and he's, he's uh, with God's help, of course, and the plague set uh, God's people free and they've gone into the desert. They're, they're traveling to the promised land and uh, they're, they're getting ready to go in the promised land. They send the spies out. Some come back, good report to, to or, or a bad report to come back with a good report. And God keeps them in the desert. And, and there's just this whole bunch of stuff going on and so on and so forth. Now, if you know what's going on at this time, you know something else that majorly is happening here during this time. Now, the Israelites don't know exactly where they're going. They don't have GPS. They don't have maps. They're kind of wandering in the wilderness or in the desert. And so all this is going on, and this feast kind of remembers that time, remembers all that God has done for them and taken care of them. But, but one thing it's really important to remember is this. As all this is going on, God is leading his people. Now, if everybody was here this morning, I would ask you, and, and you guys would probably tell me uh, what, but since I can't really ask you and have you reply, now you can reply to the computer and, and, and people in your home will think you're weird. But, um, but, but if I asked you this question, some of you would know. It's this, how did God lead his people while they were in the wilderness? Okay, And if you know, that most people would know that, that that means that God led them with a cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. And scripture basically tells us that as the cloud would move, or, or the fire at night would move, the people would follow this, and this was kind of their guide, this was kind of their, their, their ability to see God leading them and directing them, and wherever those things went, the people would go. If, if the cloud stopped, if the, if the pillar of fire stopped, then basically... Uh, they would stop, and when it moved, they would move, okay? And I, and I want you to kind of think about this. I want you to kind of push yourself in that mindset of you're in a foreign place. You're in a place you don't understand. It's, it's especially at night, it's dark, and you don't know where to go. But you have this light, this brilliant light that is leading you in the wilderness. It's, it's showing you where to go, when to go, how to go. It is literally the only thing that you have that is helping you to navigate in the areas of life that you find yourself in. 
Okay, like you said, there's no map, there's no GPS. And one thing I always think about is, is how dark it must have been out in those wildernesses. You know, like, like I, I like to go backpacking and I like to go camping and I like to go where there's nobody at, you know, like way out in the middle of nowhere. And I love how dark it is. You can see the stars and the sky and, and, and all those things because there's just not a lot of light around. Well, can you imagine how dark the night must have been for them and how bright and brilliant this pillar of fire, especially at night, was, okay? And so this was this thing that they would look to. It was their guide. It was, it was their, their, their understanding that God was present and God was with them. And this is very important as you understand how they celebrated this festival of tabernacles or this feast of tabernacles. Because here's the thing. Every night of the eight days of this feast, what they would do is they would go into the courts of the temple in Jerusalem, and it was actually called the Court of Women, and they would take uh, candles and candelabras and all these things, and they would set all these things up in this courtyard. And they would put a whole bunch of them there. And basically what they would do is, as it got night and as it started to get dark, they would light all of these candles. Now remember, Jerusalem's maybe a lot more bright than, than just out in the wilderness, but it's still very, very dark. Okay, and so they would light all these candles and all these things, and these would basically, and they would even put candles around the base of the tabernacle and, uh, or the temple, and this would light up this entire thing. It, there's historians that would literally say it looked like a beacon in the night. They were trying to almost recreate that concept of the light and the pillar of fire at night that they remember. And every night for the, the days of this feast, they would light up this temple. Okay? They would light it up and it would just be this beautiful, glorious expression and remembering of this. Now, here's the thing. This is during this feast. So now Jesus comes and he's, he knows these things. He's seen these things. He's experienced these things. And now Jesus comes about the middle of the feast when probably there is the most uh, people around that have traveled into Jerusalem. And what does he say? He says that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world when they understand this concept of remembering what God had done for them and their ancestors in the wilderness. That they were that, that God was that light to them. And now Jesus has stood in this setting and in this situation and he stated, I now am that light. And when we understand the setting, we understand the context of it, we can understand why Jesus chose in that moment to express those things. But now we want to look a little deeper into the statement, the statement that Jesus makes. Because here's the thing, Jesus here is making a statement that is important to understand the context, because when we understand the context, the statement takes on a whole nother level and a whole other dimension. Because before, it's just, well, that's just a nice thing to say, and that just, that sounds really, really nice, and I like that, because, you know, we, we typically think of, of light as being good and dark as being bad. We kind of are typically thinking of that. We're kind of used to that. We've kind of been conditioned that way. Um, my, my, my dad, and, and I've talked about this before, he watches Westerns. And, and, and one of the things about the Western is, is it's pretty easy, especially early on in the Westerns, to know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. The good guy wears a white hat or a light hat, 
and the bad guy wears a black hat. It's kind of our understanding. So we understand the idea here, but it's more than just this understanding that Jesus is light. It's a deeper understanding. But let's really look at what he's saying and the statement is because really what he is saying through this statement is more than just I'm against the darkness. He is basically saying I can provide for you. I can protect you. I can lead you in the darkness. I am that light that your ancestors once used. I am that way. Because here's the thing, when you look at it in verse number 13 of our text, the Pharisees who hear Jesus' response immediately attack it. Immediately say, wait, you can't say that. You can't, you can't say those things. You can't say you're the light. Now, why did they do that? Because Jesus was saying more than he was just the light. He was saying, I am the Messiah. He was saying, I am that God that you can look to and let me guide you and let me take care of you. Let me be that support. Let me be that person that you look to when you're in the darkness. Because here's the thing, a lot of us, whether, whether in this moment or, or before we knew Jesus, we're, we're wandering. You think about the world today, you think about people, it's amazing the amount of wandering that I see. And it's not even wandering in the light. Like, it's one thing to wander in an area with, with the lights on. It's another thing to be in an area that you don't know in complete darkness. And Jesus here is saying, listen, I am that one that you need. I am that light of the world that, that can illuminate, that can guide you and help you in this moment. And here's the thing. Here's why the Pharisees knew is because in uh, Isaiah and in other places in the Old Testament, we see uh, the prophet prophesying about God's Son, about Jesus. And look what it says here as we look in Isaiah 42, 6. Now again, in Isaiah 42, Isaiah is prophesying about the one that's to come. He's prophesying about the Messiah. And it says this, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will be a light to guide the nations. This is about Jesus. This is about us understanding who he is. And so Jesus here has stood up and basically declared himself that he is the light that God has sent to Israel and to the nations. And obviously the Pharisees have a big problem with this. Do you ever think about that? Why, why did they want to kill Jesus so bad? I mean, when you think about Jesus, what, what did he do that was so horrible? I mean, he, he, he healed some people. He, he did some amazing miracles. He, he, he fed people. He taught some amazing things. Why were these guys so angry? Why were they so upset with Jesus? It's quite simple. Jesus made some unbelievable claims about himself. And one of those claims was quite simply this. He basically said, I am that light. I am that Messiah. I am the one that has prophesied about that is to come. I am that one. That's why they were so upset. That's why they immediately said, wait a minute, you can't say that. You can't do that. Because if it was just flowery words, if it just sounded nice, they probably wouldn't have cared. But Jesus here is making a very important statement about who he is his identity, what he wants to do for you and for me. 
He doesn't just want to be the light. He wants to guide us. He wants to take us by the hand. He wants to provide for us. He wants to, to, be, he wants to be present with us at all times. And so the people that are in this moment, that are in this setting, that understand what the Festival of Tabernacles is all about, are going to see this immediately. They're going to go, oh my goodness, he's stating that he's God's son. He's stating that he's the one that can guide us, that can help us, that can provide for us. He's the one that can do it. And he can do it in the darkness. He can do it in the darkness. And you know, here's the thing. Darkness, you know, it, it, can, it can take on a lot of forms. You know, it can be, be pride. It can be lust. It can be depression. It can be anger. It can be so many things. Greed and, 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 and you know what? We all at times kind of wander in that darkness. And I love here that Jesus has come and he's like, you know what? You don't have to wander in that darkness anymore. You don't, you don't have to, to wander around, you know, you, you, ever, you, ever, you ever been in a room that you've never been in before in complete darkness? You ever, you ever seen somebody, you know, like you'll, they'll, they'll put somebody in a room like that and then they'll, they'll turn on kind of the, um, the night camera. I don't know exactly what that's called, but you know, it's like to make them all look green. And here's the thing. Here's, 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 if you see that, and again, it's a dark room. Here's typically what you see. Are you ready? This is typically what you see from that person. And they're, 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 they're looking, and, and, you know, they can't look anywhere because they're not seeing anything. And they're feeling around, and they're trying to make sure that they don't trip over something, you know. And, and here's the thing. In my life, there's been times, spiritually speaking, where I have decided that I know best, that I don't need the light of the world. And you know what I tend to do in those moments spiritually? I begin to kind of do like this. I'm looking for anything that can guide me. I'm looking for anything that I can find that will keep me from falling on my face. And Jesus is sitting here and he's trying to help us understand, listen, you don't have to do that. I can be the one that will lead you and guide you. Now, when we look at light, as we look at this understanding of light and the statement that Jesus makes, we've got to go back to the beginning. We've got to really understand the difference here between darkness and light. And the best way to do that, I think, is to go back to Genesis. So let's look back at Genesis. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, we have the very beginning of the Bible, of course, and, and this is what we find, because we find something very interesting. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. So at the very beginning, there, there is no light. Now, obviously here in a verse or so, we're going to see God speak and there becomes light. But in this moment, we see something very interesting. We see darkness. We see what it is to wander, if that makes sense. And because I think we need to understand that this is something important. Because without Jesus, our light that we find ourselves in is the same situation as the earth before there was light. Okay? We can see some parallels here. We can see some ideas. We can know. Because here's the thing. All of us need Jesus to be our light. All of us. All of us need that. And here's the thing. I want to look at why. Because I think we can see some things here that will help us understand how much we need Jesus to be that light. 
First of all, all of us need Jesus to be our light because we are formless and we need to be formed. We're formless and we need to be formed. Look at Galatians 4.19. In Galatians 4.19 it says this, My dear children, for whom I again am in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You realize that, that Jesus doesn't just come. He doesn't just save us and leave. He wants to form us. He wants to shape us. And that is a process. You know, I'll be honest. In my life sometimes, I get very hard on myself because I'm upset that I'm not as formed as I think I should be. And look, I'm not saying that we shouldn't desire for Christ to form us, that that shouldn't be a desire and a hope. But you know what? This is a process. This is a process. We are formless and God is forming us. He's taking us and he's molding us and he's making us more like Jesus. So here's the thing. If if, if you are there this morning and you're like, you know, I'm just not where I need to be. I I wish I was further along. You know what? I agree with you. I, I, I feel the same way about myself too. But we have to understand that this is a process. We, as as just like darkness, we are formless. But Christ comes and he begins to form. He begins to mold. He begins to shape. He begins to do these things. It's why we need him in our lives. It should be something that that drives us to him, not away from him. And that's typically what happens when I get upset with myself for not being as formed as I think I should be. I I, kind of run from Jesus. I kind of, I feel ashamed. and, And that's not of God. But it's just sometimes that we do. And so sometimes we need to understand that, you know what, because of the darkness, I need Christ to form me. I need Jesus to form me. But that was the first thing we see. We look at darkness. We understand this concept that it was formless. And because of that, we need Jesus to form us. The next, the next we need to look at, because we are empty, we need to be filled. Because we were empty, we need to be filled. Look. I think this is pretty self-explanatory, but it is amazing as I look at people, and sometimes even in my own life, and the emptiness that is there. If I look at the world and, and people, there is, just, there is just such an emptiness in people, and people are so desiring to fill that emptiness. And, and, and they'll try to fill it with, with a lot of things. You know, well, if I could just get the promotion, or if I could just get the girl, if I could just get the job, or if I could just get the, the house, or if I could just get the, the vacation, or whatever, whatever it is. And the thing is, there's only one thing that's going to fill you. There's only one thing that was designed to fill you, and it's the light. It's the only thing that will truly drive away the darkness. But we're empty. In that darkness, in that wandering, we're empty. And we need Jesus to come and fill us and to make us whole and to do in us what only he can do. And the final one, because we walk in darkness, we need to be led. Because we walk in darkness, we need to be led. We need Jesus to come and to be that if this will make sense, we need him to be that, that cloud by day and fire by night. Listen, one of the things that is so amazing about following Jesus is the fact that we get to follow Jesus. 
we don't, we don't take ahead. We don't run ahead. And a lot of times that's where I get into trouble. You know, I don't know if you're like me. It's like, I, oh, I got this, God. I know what we're doing. And I run ahead, you know, and I'm trying to figure out my own thing. And Jesus is like, hey, man, I'm, I'm back here. You, you, you need to come. You need to follow me and, and I'll lead you where you need to go. I'll lead you into what you need to do. I'll take care of that. You know how much time we spend and how much stress is really in our lives? Because really, especially with Christians, where we're just trying to figure out what God wants us to do. I, I, I don't know how many times I've said that in my own life. If I just knew what Jesus wanted me to do, then I would do it. The problem is, is that attitude is kind of almost one step ahead of him. It's almost saying, well, if you could just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Instead of understanding, Jesus, I just need to follow you. I just need to walk behind you. I need to take you by the hand and allow you to guide me and take care of me and help me in this darkness, in this, this wilderness that I'm wandering in. And Jesus here is saying, listen, I'll be that light. I'll be that guide. I'll be that provision. I'll be that person that fills you and gives you form and, and gives you purpose. I'll be that one for you. But if we don't allow Jesus to lead us, we're not going to have a lot of light. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any hiking. We're here in Colorado, and, 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 and I love to hike. And, and one of the things I really like to do, as weird as this sounds, is I like it when you're kind of hiking and it kind of begins to get a little dark um, because then you get out your headlamps, you know? And I like that. I like to put on the headlamp, you know, and you turn the headlamp on and you, you shine it down. And, and here's the thing about that, okay? If, if I have the headlamp, okay, and, and you are in front of me and you don't have a headlamp, you know what, you're gonna get a little bit of light on the sides, but you're not gonna have a lot of light with what's going forward. You are going to have to get behind me for there to be the light that shines where you can actually walk, okay? For some of us, we don't like that. We, we want to have Jesus be the light, but us lead the way. And listen, if we do that, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll be able to go a little bit. But we won't have the picture and the, the, the vision that God wants us to have, that Jesus came to give us. So what's that mean? It's simple. We just need to get out of the way and we need to let Jesus be that light and be that guide for us, which is so important. So, so far we've talked about the setting. We've talked about the statement. And the final thing, because this is important to understand, the last thing I want to talk about is the source the source. Because you know what? Jesus tends to do this sometimes. He tends to take things that he said and he kind of turns them on, uh, on their head. He kind of flips the script and, and he begins to help us see something even greater. Because here's the thing. In Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus is speaking and he tells us something that's very important that we need to catch. Now before, uh, Jesus obviously, he said, I am the light of the world. And he's helped us to understand that. But now he tells us this. He's now speaking to you and to me. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So in this moment, Jesus says, hey, hey, listen. I've called you to be light. I've called you to be those things. I've asked you to be the light of the world as well. Because we got to understand something that we find in John 20. John 20, 21 states this. He says, again, he said, Jesus says them to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
What's that mean? It's quite simple. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus to be the light of the world. And now Jesus is sending us to be the light of the world. But we have to understand where that source comes from. How do we do that? How can we actually be this light? How can we guide and help people that are wandering in the wilderness? Well, it's, it's really simple. Now, and, 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 and I'm going to use an illustration that, that some of you will, will totally get immediately and be smiling at home uh, on your computers watching this. Um, and some of you will go, I can't believe you had these, but you know, it, it is what it is, okay? But when I was younger, uh, I had glow-in-the-dark stars. You remember those? Now, now I was one of these kids that was like, um, and, you know, and you, what would you do is you stick them on the ceiling, okay? And then you turn the lights off, and of course, they would glow. Well, I was one of these kids that um, I was not convinced that they would um, stay on the ceiling very well. We had, when, when I was a kid in our house, uh, I don't know what you guys always call it here, but I call them popcorn ceilings, and they were ceilings with a little bit of bumps on them and stuff like that. Well, I tried to stick them up there with the, the sticky tack or whatever that came with them, and they would fall off. So I'm the kid, you know, like I went and got mom's hot glue gun, you know, and I got thumbtacks. And so I'm a hot glue and thumbtacks on these things because I'm like, well, I want these things to stay. You know, I don't want stars falling on me in the middle of the night. So I'm sticking these things up in the ceiling, putting holes up in the ceiling. They were small holes. But anyway, I'm sticking them all up in the ceiling. And so, um, and then at night, you, you turn your, your lights off and they would glow. glow. Now, here's the thing about these stars, and, and this is kind of the same, obviously, with anything that glows in the dark. They would work really well depending on how much light was in the room during the day. Okay, so if you would open up your, 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 your window or your blinds or whatever, or, uh, and there was light that would shine in, or if you would turn on the light, they would kind of activate, they would begin to uh, kind of feed, if that makes sense, off the light, and then when the lights went off, they would, they would glow. And if you had maybe a light in the middle of your room, the stars that were closest to the light would shine the brightest, and the ones that were far away would kind of not be quite as brilliant. But here's the thing, I remember... Going to bed, you know, you turn off the lights and you just look up and, you know, you see all these stars and some of you are like me right now, you're, you're totally remembering your childhood. And I would look up and I would see all these stars and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. But, but if I would wake up in the middle of the night, it was dark. The stars had, had basically lost their glow. They had lost their glow. And, and, and why is that? It's really simple. It's because the source that gave them the power to glow was gone. It wasn't close. A lot of times as Christians, we want to be the light of the world, but we don't spend enough time with Jesus to allow him to kind of help us to glow when it's dark. Or, or we'll get close to him for a little while and we'll glow. And then as the night goes on, as the darkness continues, eventually we begin to lose the glow that, that God has called us to have, to be that light. And listen, let's just kind of be honest with you. That you're not going to glow the way God wants you to glow with just being at church on Sunday. For, or, or, or watching this online wherever you do. I mean, that's great. Don't misunderstand me. That's, a, that's an important thing to do. But you know what? I'm just telling you, for, for most of us, you know, depending on who we are, sometimes by Monday, by Tuesday, we, we, if we have not gone back to the source if we have not gone back to the light of the world, we're going to be dark. 
We need to constantly be, a, be in the light, allowing the light of Jesus to change us and form us, drive away the darkness so that we can be the light that God has called us to be. And, and of course, that, that's Bible reading, that's prayer, that's just being with Jesus. You know, again, you know, I'm sure you get almost sick of pastors harping on it, but there's a reason. You see, you're called to be light. You're called to be light. And, and we can't be the light. We can't shine. We can't glow the way that God has called us to without being close to Jesus because he's our source. So it's more than just Jesus here declaring he's the Messiah. It's more than just him saying, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I'll take you away from the darkness, I'll, I'll, I'll help you in your wandering, which is awesome and huge. But it's also understanding that if we are going to be the light that God has called us to be, we have to get back to the source. We have to get back to the source. And remember, remember, and this is something to, to think about with those glow stars. The ones that were closest to the light shine the brightest. I want to be a star, if this makes sense, that shines bright. Not because I'm this great glow star, but because I've understood the best way to glow is to be close to the one who is the light of the world. And the closer that I can get to him, listen, the, the darkness goes farther away. And, and also, I get to be more light in a dark place. If you've been around me any time, sometimes you'll hear me pray, Lord, let us be a light in a dark place. You know what? That's an interesting prayer because what that really is saying is more than just, God, light me up for me so that I don't have to deal with the darkness so I'm not wandering around in the dark. But let me be close to you so close that because of what you're doing in me, I can light up other things and other people that are wandering in that darkness. Jesus was stating some very important things for us to catch in this. Jesus was, was really wanting us to see him in this way. Again, why are we talking about all these things? We're talking about them because these are ways that Jesus described himself. These are things that he wanted us to see about him, and not just about who he is, but why he came. He wants to be that light for you and for me and for the world. I love that Jesus calls himself the light of the world. He doesn't say the light for a particular group of people. He doesn't say the light for... for uh, for anyone specific, he, it's everybody. We all need Jesus. We all need him to be that light. And he wants to be that light for all of us. He wants to be that light for you and for me. So as we kind of close, I'm going to invite John to, to come on up and we're going to close the service with a couple of, of questions that I think are important that we, we look at this morning. And the first is this. I just I want you to be honest with, with yourself. And, um, and I want to ask you this question. Are you, are you wandering right now? Are you wandering in the darkness? Do you feel like in some ways you're kind of 
like the children of Israel where, where you're just in the desert. You're in a wilderness. You're, you know, and, and here's the thing. That's, that's hard enough to be kind of wandering in the daytime. You know, but at least with the day, you can kind of get yourself some landmarks. And okay, well, the mountain's over here, and then this path is over here. It's still not easy, but you could still kind of do that. The problem is, is we live in darkness. Without Jesus, we're just like the darkness at the very beginning of time. We're formless. We're empty. And it's dark. And we can try so many different ways to light up things. But you know what? A lot of those things just don't, they're, not, they're just not the light. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Um, and it's really cool actually, but my, my son and I share a birthday. And, and it, that's cool already, you know, but we share a birthday on the 4th of July. And so it's, it's really cool to be able to share that with him and, and, and all that that day has to offer. But it's kind of a requirement. If you're born on the 4th of July, you kind of have to love fireworks. It's, it's kind of written in the contract, you know. And a lot of times with these things that as we wander, that we try to fill our heart with and our lives with, they're like fireworks. Um, they shoot up, you know, and we get really excited, you know. You, you know, like if you ever watch fireworks, you, you hear the poof, and you, you know, and sometimes you can even see the trail, you know, as it goes up. And there's this excitement, and there's this, oh my goodness, here it comes, you know, what color is it gonna be? How big is it gonna be? All these sort of things. And then it's boom! And it lights up the darkness. I mean, it, and it can be brilliant and big, and you can, ooh, and ah. But the thing is, you know what about firework? It pops, and then it's gone. Most, I mean, you know, have the ones that will trickle down, but event, you know, they don't last long. They may be bright, they may be brilliant, they may be beautiful colors, but they just don't last. You know, if you're looking for light in something other than Jesus, it's just simply a firework. It, it, it may be brilliant for a moment, it may catch your attention, it may cause you to ooh and awe, ah, but you know what? That light is gonna go and you're gonna be right back in darkness. And you know, sometimes I wonder if the anger and the bitterness and the hurt that we see in so many people is because they're so sick of fireworks. They're so sick of being excited. Okay, this is it. This is gonna fulfill me. This is gonna take care of these things. This is gonna be that light that I know that I need. And it pops and they go, oh, here it is, here it is. And it's gone. Jesus didn't say he was the firework of the world. He said he was the light. And that light burns and it doesn't go out and it will fill you and it'll form you and it'll guide you and it'll direct you if you'll let it. So maybe this morning you're going, you know what, Aaron, I'm tired of fireworks. I really need Jesus to come and be that light. I'm tired of wandering around in the darkness. I'm tired of hitting my knees on things that I can't see. I need Jesus. And if that's you, Jesus was speaking to you when he said, I'll be your light. I'll be that light. There's gonna be a button that's gonna show up on our screen or on your screen. 
And if you want Jesus to be your light, click that button. There'll be some people that'll, that at that moment through the chat area will, will be able to talk with you. It's not going to be broadcast everywhere. It's just going to be an opportunity for us. I'll be there and some others to just talk with you, help you in this moment, in this time. Because you know what? There's nothing better than letting Jesus be your light. Now for others, maybe, maybe we know Jesus as our light. We know that, that he's the only one that can do all these things. But let's, let's be honest, we've gotten away from the source. Our stars aren't glowing the way they should because we've moved further and further and further away from the source that helps us to glow. You know, if that's you, Jesus will welcome you home. You know, I mean, he loves it when we come near to him. Scripture says that as we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. It isn't a maybe he will or, or, or if he's not busy, he will do that. As we draw near to the source, God will draw near to us. And that's a beautiful thing. But listen, we need to glow. Our world right now, not that it's not normally, but it is a dark place. There is fear. There is confusion. There is, there is all these things that are going on. There is a lot of people that are wandering around in the darkness. And we as a Christian need to make sure that right now we are close to Jesus so that we are glowing. We are glowing because we understand where our source is. We understand that we are letting Christ guide us not us trying to get in front of him and, and not being able to see very well because the headlamp that Jesus is using is basically just illuminating our backside. We need to get close to him to glow in the way that Jesus wants us to glow. So what's so awesome about this statement, we learn so much about Jesus, we learn so much about his heart for you and for me, but also because God sent him and now Jesus is sending us. Now we, we get to be the light too. And that only happens when we're close to him. So whether you need to understand and come to let Jesus be the light of your world, or you need to say, you know what? I, I could go a little bit better. You know what's great about this? If we're honest, all of us, every we could all get closer to Jesus and glow a little bit more. I don't think there's anybody that, 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 could, that I know that could basically, I don't care who you say or who you think that could basically, you know what, I'm glowing enough. I, I, I know Jesus, no, no. We can all get closer. We could all spend more time and more intimate time with Jesus because that's the only way we're gonna glow in this situation. Look, I, 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 I've, I've seen so many well-meaning people and oh this is how you should use this time and and this is how you can do this for your church and blah 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 during this this time and how to reset everything listen and that's all fine and dandy okay i'm not saying it isn't but 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 here's how i believe that jesus wants to use this moment in time more than any plan or any thing we can figure out as as pastors and leaders he wants this time to be a time where his people gather close to him in intimate ways that they've never have before and glow like they never have before. You can use all the other stuff to be a part of that's fine. But I think the first thing, the main thing, 
is that we as people that love Jesus, we gather around our light and we begin to glow in a way and in a brightness and in an intensity that changes our world. But we can't do that on our own. We need Jesus. So whether you're in the first boat or the second, I'm going to pray with you that God will help us in this time. So if you would, would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we, we're just so thankful for this time. And Jesus, I thank you that you declared yourself to be the light of the world. I thank you that you desire to lead, guide, and direct us. That you use the perfect moment and the perfect time to communicate. You know what? Yeah, back in the Old Testament, yeah, yeah, back in when we celebrate the, the, the festival of, of tabernacles, yeah, there was a light and a pillar. But that pillar of light was a foreshadowing of you, Jesus. It was to help us understand who you are. So when you came and you made that statement, when you said, I am the light of the world, and you did it in the middle of this feast, those people that heard it understood what you were saying. You were saying, you know what? I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I don't have to keep bumping into things anymore. Jesus can be that light because he's God's son. He's the Messiah. He's the one that I need that can take this empty, formless, darkness person and bring it into your marvelous light. What an amazing visual. What an amazing thing. I can only imagine as Jesus is proclaiming this and people are thinking and they're remembering that temple lit up. That temple made of stone. And now Jesus is saying, you know what? I am the one that you need. I am the one that will guide you and provide for you and take care of you. And for God, for some of us, we know that. But we've kind of gone away from the source. We've kind of forgotten what makes us glow. We, 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 maybe we've forgotten that, that Jesus even called us um, to be the light of the world. We've been busy with other things or focused on other things or just allowed the things of this world that are going on right now to, to really rob us of our joy and our peace and our hope. And we can't find that in anything else besides you. And so Jesus, I pray that you would, you would help us to gather near you again. No matter how close we are, we can all get closer. No matter how how intimate we are, we can always spend more time with you and know you in a greater way. And so Jesus, I pray that no matter if we're kind of far away or even if we're close, that, that in this moment, we would draw closer to you than we ever have before so that we can allow you to form us, drive away the emptiness and to lead us and guide us. That's, that's a great part of this, but also Jesus, so that we can glow, so that we can be a light 
in a dark place and a brilliant light in a dark place. Jesus, no matter who we are or where we're at, whether we need to accept you for the first time or whether we just need to come a little bit closer, don't let us settle for fireworks. You are the light of the world and you are a brilliant, amazing, life-giving light. And so Jesus, I pray that you would help us. Help us to run to you because you are all that we need. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for being with us this week. If, if you need prayer, um, please let us know. You can even do that right now uh, in the little text box. You can let us know and, and let everybody know we can be praying. If you need some help or you need something, you can do the same. If you want to um, have a prayer request just for me personally, you can do that as well. Uh, we want to be here for you during this time. And we're just so glad that you're here. And, and listen, I miss you guys so much. I miss you so much. And I know it's great when we're sitting there and we're typing and, and I'll sit there and watch some of the, the things that are going to be typed and, and, and I'm excited to do that, but I'm also kind of like sad, you know, because I can see the things that you're, you're saying um, and I miss watching you say them, I guess. But God's got us and, and this too shall pass and we'll be together again soon. So I love you, I miss you, been praying for you. And again, if you need anything, please let us know. Pray with us on Wednesday, seven to eight o'clock. Be checking your emails. Um, you never know, things could change quickly. And uh, we'll just kind of keep you updated as we know things and as we pray to Jesus for guidance on these things so that we can do the right thing. So I love you, miss you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right.